Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we are talking about filling up your pantry and stocking up your pantry. So we're going to be going over the basics. That is a good thing to be doing right now. One, it's winter. So there's the harvest and there's things to put up. And two, we're in a highly inflationary environment with a lot of other uncertainties. And so having a well-stocked pantry is just uh, a very, very good thing. Yeah. And for those of you guys watching on video, sorry, the light is awful. <laughs> We're stocking our pantry, which means that the preservation kitchen is in high use. The the freeze dryers are running. There's other preservation going on. And um, so we had to, the house is busy. We had to find a spot outside here that had a little bit of sunshine because it's getting chilly. But um, obviously, so for those of you that can see us, right, uh, light's a little off today. Yeah. But so it'll, be, it'll be good. We're going with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to fall. We've been in fall, but it really feels like fall right now. And I think it's because we're in a we're starting to do the uh, the freeze has to come sometime really soon. Scramble. It's actually kind of late. We're actually having a little bit of an Indian summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's actually not that cold for October, but um, it is chilly sitting out here and we're starting to feel the push. I saw a big old huge basket of peppers come in here just a little bit ago from the girls. And uh, and you were talking about the freeze that is on the forecast. And so now we're into the push, right? Get everything in uh, before the freeze comes. Besides the root crops, they'll be able to handle. And actually, some of them will get a little better with uh, some cold weather. Yeah, absolutely. But we have been pushing those grapes. They have been trying, trying, trying to ripen. There's so many grapes on the vine. So we're kind of like pushing them to the last minute. They've actually been covering them every evening in uh, plastic, some greenhouse plastic to be able to push them further and get a little bit frost yeah just just ripen a little bit um so early next week i think we're gonna be scrambling to harvest and deal with all of the grapes after we've given them every last moment available (laughs) to ripen (laughs) but i don't think we're gonna get past next week yeah so yeah so it's on Harvest season is on. Game is on. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. What? Um, that's a little bit of what's going on. We kind of eased into it here, but what is, <laughs> what's up with you specifically? Well, I have to share the latest that. issue of In the Homestead Kitchen magazine. Here we go. go. Is out. Yeah, it's it beautiful. is ready. These, mag- these things are so beautiful. They really are. And again, I have to say, this is the only physical copy in existence if you jump into uh, subscribing to the magazine, it's a monthly magazine. It is digital right now. We are slowly working towards plans, towards hopefully taking That's it. It's been print. a goal for a long time. I'm we've, not we've, promising we've, anything yeah, yet. We're, <laughs> we're, well, we're, we're headed that way. 
but you can see it is beautiful all the way throughout tons of recipes this month we're centering on something we're going to be doing a lot of in the kitchen next week what to do with your unripe and green tomatoes. So we have a whole lot of great recipes in there. So make sure you check this out. I'll put the link down in the description if you're not already a subscriber to the In the Homestead Kitchen magazine. You're going to want to check it out. Um, there are actually like, I think I just looked and there's nearly 4,000 subscribers to the magazine right now. So you guys right. will be in good company if you jump in and join. Well, so. and for those of you that would love to see it in print, the, the larger we can grow the subscription base, right. the closer we get to being able to put it into print. Print's obviously a lot more expensive and uh, takes a lot more work and a bigger team. And, and uh, we'd love to be able to do that one day. And you guys supporting the magazine helps it get there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we've been wrapping that up and then, uh, you know, just the harvest season. Really, we've been been doing a lot of harvesting. Like you said, the uh, peppers came in yesterday and today. So we have found our absolute favorite pepper preservation method now is to dice them with onions, leaving them both raw, the onions and the peppers raw and freeze drying them. They just are phenomenal for quick grabbing and throwing in just about anything, topping pizzas, all sorts of stuff. And yep. um, it's, it's just been a great way to go with the peppers. So easy to, easy to uh, preserve and easy to use yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. Hey, just, I gotta say it now, yeah. cause I'm going to forget. I think you need to check out the onions that have been drying for a while. Okay. I think we need to get those in here pretty quickly. The, the onions are up in the barn in their curing station right now yep. so that they will be all ready to bring in and get in crates and get into storage for the year. So yep. it's about some, time some to get them in. Time. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're starting to fall on the The garlic came and... in the other day. We went through those and yep. got the garlic, garlic all stashed away. So lots of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, good. What about you? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, just... Yeah, harvest and winter prep. We got all of our grain in and, you know, usually I buy all the grain for the winter and in the spring this year, I've purchased all of the grain for uh, the year. I think that we're going to need even our meat layers, which generally I try not to do because the quality does degrade sitting there. But I'm definitely concerned. Our, our meat chickens. Our meat chickens for meat next chickens year. For next so we've year. actually okay. bought all of the grain for them, at least for oh, what good. we think we're going to do next year. Um, and I usually wouldn't do that, but, um, I'm just really feeling the need to get ahead. I just feel the environment that we're in that, um, money sitting there is better than money in the bank. Yeah. Money sitting in the grain sack. In the grain sack, <laughs> in the hay sack, in the food barrels, yep. uh, lots of places like that. And the animals on the hoof. Um, I, I think that's a, that's a real good place for our money right now. So, so really a lot of strategies like that, just really thinking about gearing up for winter prep, but kind of extending it and looking a little bit more into longer term, yeah. um, preps here, both for winter and in the next year to just build in a little bit of security and get some of that money out of the bank and into, uh, onto real, real things, real assets right here on our property. You know, and a key to doing this, I know we've talked about this a bit and we'll probably talk about this a little bit more in today's topic is make sure you're stocking up on things you're going to use. <laughs> right. And then you're not going to lose out because you're going to use it eventually one way or another. Right. So it's not like, 
oh, go buy all that freeze-dried food that you'll probably never use and just stash it down there. In that case, that's probably not a great use of money. And it's not necessarily better money there than in the savings account, although Mm -hmm. there could be scenarios where it would be. But if you're going to use it anyways, you're just buying it early when it's cheaper. Yeah. And, you know, real quick, I know this can be difficult for people to do. You hear that and like, oh, yeah, well, okay, you must have a great bank account or whatever to, to be able to stock up like that. And, you know, there was a time when we lived paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, and it took a shift in mentality. And it has taken time to work up to being able to buy bulk like this. But the strategy is just slowly shifting and taking little steps to get from week to week to month to month and then month to quarterly and then month to six months. And it takes because it's very hard to do all at once, obviously, but it it takes, it doesn't take more money. That's definitely helpful, but it takes changing how we use our money in whatever form it's coming in to allocate it differently and maybe pulling back on things in the near term so that we can start to get ahead and, and make larger purchases that are in bulk that we can then get a better price on. So just, just a little tip there for those of you who are wondering, like, how, how do you get there? How do I do that? Because mm-hmm. you're right. You, you don't, you can't just go from where you're at maybe to buy in a year's worth of something. Right. You might be able to buy a year's worth of one something, but to do this consistently, it does take a shift in money management more than just making more money. Yeah, it absolutely does. And the good news about it, though, is that as you start buying bulk, you usually do save money. Mm -hmm. So as you take those steps, kind of, you know, slowly moving to buying a month's worth, Mm -hmm. you end up saving money that helps you get ahead faster. So that that's a, a really good part of it. But it's really those initial moments of like, how do I go from going to the grocery store and buying what I need for the week to buying what I need for the month? Those are the painful moments. And those you may have to simplify your diet for a few weeks, simplify something to save a little money so that you can do that big stock up where you are saving money. Now, of course, the, the big caveat to this is once you get that big stock up, don't go spend all the money you just saved you have to put that towards your groceries the next time <laughs> so right. that so that you're uh, getting ready to stock up again for the next month, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's a good way to go once you get over that initial hump. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of, you say that and it kind of makes me think of just investing in compound interest, really. It kind mm-hmm. of works like that compound interest in the beginning. It's such a tiny amount. It doesn't seem like much, yeah. but you keep adding to it. You keep building on it mm-hmm. and it grows and then it starts to get momentum and and then you know the return that it gives you and and the growth that you have starts to accelerate but it does take a while and it takes that discipline of just doing a little bit at a time day by day week by week but it it works a lot like that and and then eventually you get that momentum going like a you know a larger you know Mm -hmm. investment account or bank account or whatever that you're earning interest on though that's hard to do in a bank account these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it becomes significant. It becomes a significant yeah. amount. Yeah. So that's a good way to go. Good stuff. We should good. probably do a whole pantry chat on that, but that's not <laughs> the topic of today. Hopefully that's helpful to some of you though. Um, let's get into a question of the day so that we can then tackle stocking up the pantry. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. This one looks like it is for, is this for you or for me? Um, I think it's for both of us. Okay. Go well, for it. I'll read it. Shannon Coots on the pantry chat Q&A. Can you use turkey heads and feet the same way as chickens to make the broth? I love it. I love your thinking. Or is it something with using chickens that has more benefits? I've already butchered my meat chicks for the year, but turkey processing will be coming up. 
Hey, that is cool. So let's go backwards just a little bit for those of you guys who have missed the lead up conversation to this. And we've been talking about using more and more parts of butchered animals, right? Mm -hmm. Getting, Getting more use out of it and the health benefits of getting heads into the stock i can't there's there, there's like no way of saying that that doesn't just sound kind of funny well it does sound funny <laughs> to us and to our modern ears but you know at sally fallon and i were talking about this while we were filming for the school and she's the one that got us thinking about this particularly using the heads and and um if you're familiar with weston a price and just the study of past cultures it, it's actually been very normal for most of human civilizations they've had to utilize everything and so th- this isn't a weird concept. It's a little weird for us maybe to talk about in our culture because we've gotten separated from things. But, um, you know, most of human history has had to get every little bit of value out of, you know, what you have. And, and really, that's part of the homesteading ethos, you know, is is maximizing value with what you have. And just to call out the elephant in the room, the real weird part is to open your pot and have something looking back at you. Like, (laughs) I I just got to say it like straightforward because we're all dealing with that. We're all thinking about it. Oh, wow. Okay. There's a head in there. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's like everything else. You do get over it and you do get used to it. And honestly, I feel better and better about the butchering process the more use I make out of the entire Mm -hmm carcass body i don't know how to put that in Mm -hmm. polite butchering terms but um but yeah the the more i get out of it the more i feel better about it because we're really not wasting the part that honestly in a lot of places even people even homesteads households that are trying to make the use out of everything because it's so abnormal to use those parts they're just getting kind of tossed and well and composted or something it's really a wasteful attitude it's not good stewardship we should be making good use of what we have regardless of say our income level whether we're poor or not you know so when you're poor you're forced to do more Mm -hmm. of these things and it's it's easy and of course in our wealthy society we've gotten used to you know we don't need a lot of that and we can we can do without it but is that good stewardship of what we've been given and what we have um or is it good stewardship even regardless of our financial situation or station or whatever um to use everything that we have. And I, I think that's better and that we can always be looking for ways to do that, though it is a big paradigm shift. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And there's things we don't do yet that we probably could, but it takes more work. So little bits at a time. Yeah. But so I, to get back to Shannon's questions, can you use the turkey heads? Yes, oh yeah. you can. And duck heads and guinea heads. And if you are butchering a pig, you can use the pig head or the cow head yep. or... <laughs> it's all got a lot of value that, that we generally throw away. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely. Whatever it is that you're butchering, toss the head in. Yep. All right. <laughs> that's a whole nother pantry check. Okay. <laughs> it's easier with chickens and turkeys. That's for sure. Than getting to a larger animal. That's a whole different Absolutely. Uh, project. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, yep. Keep on. Love your thinking. And uh, keep it up. Okay. Rules for stocking up. All right. Rule number one. Backups. What do you mean by backups? Yeah. Well, we're really diving <laughs> right into. I, I just want to frame this discussion a little bit. Because we are specifically talking about pantry. Meaning shelf stable um items not your food collection in general which would include maybe your freezer and other things like that like we're diving into pantry and so when you're talking about the pantry there's really two different ways to look at it like major categories 
One is your backup food. This is kind of your emergency, you know, it all falls apart food. And then you have your daily rotation food. And mm -hmm. this is what you're living off of. And hopefully you're building that up to be a good backup. But the reality is, like we were talking about with the finances, it takes a while to build that up. And so you do want to start with some amount of just backup food. And I, I always want to qualify this. This is not just for the apocalypse. This is not just for, you know, what the the big what if scenarios out there in the world at large. This is for you lose a job. Somebody gets sick. Something happens and you can't make it to the grocery store. Your finances mm -hmm. get messed up. Whatever it is, there are a lot more people, in my opinion, in our modern Western civilization that have, have had to depend on their pantry because of personal emergencies than because of some big broad disaster of some sort and it's just as valid of a reason in fact it might be more so because things happen to all of us so make mm -hmm. sure you get something i my recommendation beans rice salt some basic seasoning so you can mix up the flavors of it and some canned meat some you know go to the store and get tuna or chicken or something like that and that's just your basic backups keep you going you can survive after off of that for a really long time so i just want to separate out these two before we dive into the discussion mm -hmm. of our regular pantry because it is kind of a different thing yeah question for you mm -hmm. on the on the items the list of backups though that you're recommending um what about vegetables just kind of like rounding that out is that I, I think it's. I mean, you know, none of us are real excited about store bought canned vegetables, but as far as a strategy of getting things on the shelf, you know, and getting that kind of backup started, right? I mean, would vegetables make sense? It would be or fruits great to have. Else? Um, and any diversity you can add to that is always great. But the reality is, is this is a basic survival ration. You can survive off of this for a really, really long time mm -hmm. without adding those extra things in. So add them in if you can. But honestly. What I would rather see and what I prefer in my own household is the backups or the basics for basic survival and then start putting into your everyday survival the rotations of or your everyday living, the rotations of the extras and start cool. building that out. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. All righty. Rule number two, everyday pantry. Got a couple points here. Yeah. On this one. So first of all, we have to really dive into what's the purpose of our everyday pantry. Why are we doing this? Because, again, that can get a little convoluted. But one, your one of your main purposes is to decrease your trips to the store. That always takes time. It takes money. It takes not buying in bulk because like we were talking about earlier, you know, you're buying just as you need it, you know, maybe a week's worth of meals or something like that. But even if you live right next door to the store, it takes pre-thinking and it takes time. And we need to start being efficient with what we're doing. And that's where our pantry starts mm -hmm. to become our own grocery store is really what it is. It's also a way to help keep you prepared for any last minute changes of schedule so you don't have to default to hey let's somebody go get takeout pizza or somebody let's run to the restaurants or let's do mm -hmm. that because you have that supply of everything you need you can just start pulling meals right out of your pantry and you can make it pretty quickly so that's really yeah. important um it's also going to save you money 
because you're going to be able to start stocking up. You're going to be able to start taking uh, advantage of the sales that are happening and stocking up when there are sales. It's really important. And then, of course, like we talked about, this is also start, starts to become that hedge against life's challenges, whether they're big, gigantic ones or they're your own personal problems or they're just even a sickness in your home where you don't want to run out to the grocery mm -hmm. store. Um, that starts to hedge it. So I think it's important to start thinking about why you're building a pantry so that you can really put it into context of how what's important to you to build out. Okay. That so that's sense. what yeah. you're talking about here with starting to get ahead on shelf right. stable items. Mm -hmm. Buying two or three at a time. Yeah. So when you start stocking up your pantry, you just want to start making sure you're just buying extra of what you're already buying and start using that. You're you're already buying it, so you know that you're going to use it. And that's really important. It's easy to start being like, oh, look, lentils are on sale for, you know, 50 cents a pound. I think I'll get a year's worth of lentils right now and stick them in the pantry. If you're not eating those, they're not doing you any good sitting in your pantry, right? right? So just start stocking up and buying extra of what it is that you're already buying. And then as you do that, you want to start changing your zero out amount. Now, I know when I was taught like originally about keeping my checking account, somebody told me, make sure you don't zero out at zero when you're doing your banking, uh, you zero out at like a hundred or something. So you have room for those hidden fees or whatever unexpected thing happens. You always have a little bit more in your account than you think you do. Yep. You want to start doing that with your pantry. Instead of saying, when you pull the last ketchup off the shelf, oh, I need to go buy more ketchup. You start saying it when you buy the second to, you know, pull the second to last ketchup mm -hmm. off your shelf. Oh, we only have one left. Now I need to go buy more ketchup. So you start moving that number up to where eventually you're like, hey, I'm down to five ketchups, you know, better start looking for a deal and stock up again. Like that crisis yeah. aversion. Yeah. It's a crisis at our table when the ketchup is gone, <laughs> especially when there's French fries on the table. <laughs> or meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, start buying staples in bulk according to how long they store. Yeah, and this is important because you don't want to buy something like a whole bunch of something and then have it go bad before you can use it. Right, that, again, doesn't do you anything positive. Right? Well, no, and it ends up being a waste of resource. And sometimes a mess yeah. to clean up. So. So you got a few guidelines here, two yeah. to five year storage items. Yeah. So if you're buying some of these items, I kind of put together a list just off the top of my head. This is things like flour, sugar, canned goods, noodles, whole wheat berries, the whole berries, not the whole wheat flour, um, beans, white rice, baking soda, salt, whole oats, uh, green coffee beans, vinegars, honey, molasses, freeze-dried foods, things like that, they're going to last a really long time in storage if they're stored properly. Mm -hmm. And so you can really start stocking up on those. That's where you can be like, hey, I'm going to get two years worth of this stuff on my shelf and start putting those up. Um, now, I always get a little pushback from people who live in really humid areas when I mention flour. And when I mean flour, I mean white flour. You can't stock up this much on whole wheat flour because it'll go rancid. But if it's kept dry and it's handled properly, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, you can, white flour will last for a long time as long as it's stored properly. Yeah, it doesn't have a high nutritional content, no. but but 
you can store it and use it. Yeah. You and can. so, you know, what are the, some of the things to think about for storing some of these things correctly? Yeah. For these long-term things, you want to make sure, number one, when you get them in, you deal with insect eggs. It's something we don't want to talk about in modern culture, but the reality is, is your dry goods have some sort of insect eggs in them and they're going to hatch eventually in some storage form. <laughs> it's just the truth of, of food. And uh, especially you know, in more humid, on. you know, we, we experienced yeah. that living in places with more humidity. We, yeah. That was a lot more challenging to deal with. Yeah, it really becomes a little bit challenging. And so, you know, you have a couple of different options for dealing with that right off. One is you can freeze the food for about uh, three days, solid freezing all the way. So, you know, take that 50 pound bag of flour or whole wheat berries and toss it in your chest freezer for about three days. When you get it out, don't open it up until it's come back to room temperature. So you don't introduce any more moisture into it. You don't want to do that. Um, the other method for dealing with insect eggs is to sprinkle in some diatomaceous earth. And I don't have the numbers for you on the top of my head, but you can do a quick Google search. We talk about this in my Art of Homemade Bread class where we talk about how to store wheat. Mm -hmm. You can just sprinkle some diatomaceous earth right into your food. It's totally edible, not going to change the flavor of your food or anything, but it will handle that problem, the pest problem, which is great. It's a good option. And then you want to make sure you are storing it somewhere very dry. If you live in an extremely humid area, put a desiccant package in. Um, put right. something in the oven for a few minutes on a cookie sheet, you know, five minutes to heat it up and totally dry it out before you put it into its container. Whatever it takes to dry it out and to keep it dry is an absolute must. And, cool. um, and then... You want to get it into airtight storage. That's not because you're trying to get it into a vacuum, you know, airless state, but you just want to get it into a place where no more insects, no more moisture, right. nothing else can get into it. A gamma seal uh, lid on a five gallon bucket is a great way to go. Good. Yeah. Um, year storage items here are some things that you're going to want, but that aren't going to store so long. Right. Oils, fats seasonings. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Anything that's a high fat content or oil content, that's going to go rancid before it can store. Really, you've got kind of about a year on the outer limit. About a year is what I give it. Um, whole whole uh, cracked grains, a year is definitely on the outer limit of that. Some people say six months. If you can keep it really cool and dry, I think you can get away with probably a year if you have to. Um, seasonings, they don't go bad after a year, but they do start to lose their everything. Just flavor. yeah, things degrade once they've been chopped up, ground up, cracked. Right. You know, you, you it just starts to degrade. Right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Brown rice. Brown rice is not stable like whole wheat berries. You need to make sure you're moving that on somewhere between six months and a year. Um, any boxed mixes, like if you stock up on a cake mix or something like that, those do go bad. You don't want to keep them for a long period of right. time. So um, sprouting seeds is another one I was thinking at. If you do a lot of sprouts in the winter, those will go bad eventually. <laughs> you do have to store them correctly, but they'll they'll stop germinating. They won't sprout for you anymore after a certain amount of time right. sitting in your kitchen cabinet. Nuts is another one. You don't want to take those too long because they'll go rancid. Yeah. So again, you do need to make sure you're storing these things properly, 
but um, but don't plan on stocking up on more than a year and maybe even be conservative on the year mark for most of these things. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like you can, but I think, you know, nutritional value is also really important to most of us while we're trying to stock up and, right. <clears throat> you know, be prepared and save money, you know, using these methods. We're also concerned about nutrition. And so a lot of these foods, mm -hmm. even your cracked grains, they'll, they'll last that long, but the, the nutritional value does decrease. So, you know, find a balance in that between having this length of stores and yet, you know, um, extracting the value, right. of the, the nutritional value for our bodies. Um, as we use them. Well, and it's a good point. Just because you can store it doesn't always mean it's the right thing for your family to yeah. store, right? Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you've got the white flour or you can store the whole wheat berries, which is just, if you have a grinder and you're able to use those, you're going to get infinitely more nutrition out of that whole wheat berry than you would the white flour. It seems like you could actually have your, I don't know that we've really talked about this or if you do this in the pantry, but you could kind of have your, your long-term preps where, mm -hmm nutritional value is secondary. It's just like some of these things you were talking about, the beans and, and the different things that are just, they're just back there either for getting you through right now or for long-term emergency. And mm -hmm. they're just your base nutritional value, but you're not worried about some of the nutritional degradation. You're right. just worried about this is long-term storage. It's there if things get really bad, really low, and I need it. And then your other things that you're rotating through that you have certain lengths of storage, mm -hmm. but you are rotating through them because you want to use them up before the nutritional value degrades too much. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if you do that at all. But, well, yeah, that's um, kind of the difference between those backup, that yeah. backup, you know, beans and rice and the, uh, you know, we can survive off of that even yeah. if it's not ultimately great <laughs> yeah yeah and then our everyday what we're actually so even as you get your day. pantry going you can keep some of those things just backed up back there yeah, yeah and you just got that long term you know you could even set it and forget it if you wanted to if it's stored right at the end of the day if it's an emergency a full belly is worth a lot now yeah you want the nutrition but if the option is full belly versus empty belly I like even belly. if it doesn't have the best nutrition in it it's better than nothing yeah so yeah Yep. Good. Looking for balance on all these things. Okay. Start finding or converting your recipes to your, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah your recipes right. to pantry recipes. And we just got a few minutes here. Yeah. We'll move right um, through this because this is really the next step. You, you can do this concurrently while you're stocking up and that's start to find a certain amount of your everyday recipes that you can make with only pantry staples. So, you know, maybe you're used to making, um, you know, going to the store and buying fresh basil in the wintertime to make a pesto, you know, sauce for a pasta. Great. How could you make that from your pantry, though, if you needed to? And it might be buying the canned pesto. Maybe it's making your own pesto in season and stocking it in the freezer. Maybe it's saying, hey, for a pantry meal, we're going to go ahead and stock up on marinara sauce instead. Yeah. So, you know, start finding ways to, to transition your recipes so that you have a stock of recipes that you can go to your pantry, get all the ingredients out of, and make it just like that. Cool. Yeah. And then lastly, start trying to produce more of the pantry items that you are buying. Yeah. Ultimately, we want to be growing as much as we can, preserving as much as we can mm -hmm. and putting it in there ourselves instead of buying it. So that's yep. that's always kind of the goal is start moving towards that. 
it's a long journey though. Well, it's a good strategy you've laid out though, because it gives, gives everybody that ability to step up little bits at about like we were talking about. And as you take little steps, those steps get bigger and just like that compounding interest, Mm -hmm. it starts to grow and it becomes um, easier to maintain that fully rounded and stocked pantry. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Cool. You guys, we got to go. Got another uh, thing to get to here, Yeah. but it has been great hanging out with you. Hope that is helpful. And, um, Bottom line, get something in your pantry. Yes, Start please, please up some do. Food. Do, do what you can right now. You know, we're not, uh, we're on the up and up. We're on for solutions most of the time, but uh, there's a lot of good reasons to really get stocked up right now. Yeah, and go ahead. We'll put the link to the In the Homestead Kitchen magazine down below in the description or in the show notes. So check that out and we will see you guys soon. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.